Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We have a really exciting day uh, today because we have some people that are going to get baptized. And we, we don't have people getting baptized in this service. It's going to happen in our 11 o'clock and in our 6 o'clock service tonight. And so I love seeing people get baptized. I don't know if you've ever been to a baptism, but if you haven't, maybe you should think about sticking around and just you know, seeing what really happens. If you don't know what baptism is about, let me just take a minute to explain it to you. It's a public declaration of your faith in Jesus. Jesus. And I think that that is so good, especially today. It's great for people to be able to be bold about their faith. And it's a public declaration of their faith. So um, when a person gets baptized, it's an outward expression of what has already been taken place inside of their heart. And so on that day, they make a decision to stand before their friends and family, whatever day they get baptized. And they're saying, this is, you know, we worship Jesus and we follow Jesus and this is what we do. And, and it's this beautiful event. But how many of you would know that that event is connected to a lifestyle that follows it? See, the thing is, is that when a person stands before their friends and family and they get baptized, yeah, that's great. But that, that event is connected to an entire life. You know, it's a, it's a life of worshiping God. So what we do at Baptism Sunday is we say to people and, and, and share with friends and family that Jesus is the Savior of their life. And, and He's the Savior because He lived a perfect life and died on the cross for their sins and they received Him as their Lord and Savior. And as a result of that, they have eternal life in Him. And so we say, that's great. So Jesus is Savior and everyone loves Savior Jesus. But can I tell you that Jesus is not just meant to be our Savior, but also our Lord? Oh... Oh, there's a big difference between having Jesus as your Savior and having Jesus as your Lord. See, when, when, if He's your Savior and you celebrate at a baptism, it's like a one-off event. You get baptized once, you don't have to do it every time. You don't have to do it every week. It's like you get baptized once. But then to call Him Lord for the rest of your life and continue to follow Him, now that's a completely different thing altogether, you know? Um, I think, it, you know, if you were to think about it at the end of your life, to, to be able to call Jesus Lord your whole life and continue to follow Him, there's going to be something at the end of that kind of life that you can look back on and, and reflect on and say, see, I was following Jesus my whole life. I didn't just call Him Savior, I, I called Him Lord. I don't know if you know this, but, um, you know, the average person, if, you, if you're working full-time from around the age 25 to age 65, you'll actually work about 96,000 hours on average, give or take. 96,000 hours. It's a lot, yeah? You'd think at the end of 96,000 hours that you would want to have something to show for it, right? Like you, you, you would want, I don't know what you want. Maybe you want at the end of 96,000 hours to have a house that's paid for. You know, it's like, wouldn't that be good for some of you? It's like you just want a house that's paid for. Or maybe at the end of 96,000 hours, you want a holiday house as well. But you want your car paid for. You want to own some stuff. You just want something. You know, come on. At the end of 96,000 hours, you want something to show for it. Amen? Yeah, you, I mean, if you're going to spend that amount of time devoted to something, you, you want to see something for it. I, I, I get my kids to clean up their room, right? So my older two, they get paid pocket money, but... Eliana, she gets paid pocket money, starts next year for her. So she turned five, when she begins prep, that's when she starts getting pocket money. But it doesn't mean we can't start teaching her what to do early. 
So I said to her the other day, I said, hey, you've got to get in there. You've got to clean your room. It's a total mess, you know, and, and it wasn't punishment. And it's, you know, cleaning your room isn't punishment, everybody. It's just keep it, keep it clean. So, so we sent her into a room and I said, look, I'm going to come back and, and, and see what you've done in about half an hour. So I came back half an hour later. Now I opened the door to her room. And she was wearing a backpack and she was lying on her back with a unicorn in an arm in one hand. I said, what have you been doing? And she said, Dad, I didn't know what to do, right? I'm like, come on, it's not that hard. It's like, to, take the dirty stuff and put it in the washing basket, you know? And, and so there she was. And to be honest, she hadn't done anything for that whole half an hour. She had nothing to show for it. I feel like at the end of our lives, if we're going to be devoted to something, we want to have something to show for it. Amen. We want to have something in our life, some kind of fruit that we can point to and say we were committed. That's what we spent our time doing while we're on planet Earth. I want to read a scripture to you. It comes out of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. And I'm going to preach a message to you today called Work It Out. Work it out. So it says this. Look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time. Because the days are evil. When it says the days are evil, it means that they're not God-honoring. Okay, so the days are evil. Not everything is honoring of God today, and I think that would be pretty self-evident. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Everyone, don't be foolish. Just understand His will. Sound easy, right? Well, he goes on to say, hey, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Now, that's just good advice. That's just good advice. Even if you're here today, you're not a Christian. It's like, if you get drunk, you're going to do stuff that you wish you didn't do. So it says, hey, come on, be smart now. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a different kind of Spirit. It says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When was the last time that you did that, by the way? You just addressed somebody in song. I, I see one hand. I don't address people in song because I want to keep them as my friends it says singing and making melody to the lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ submitting to one another out of reverence for christ in other words there's all kinds of issues that were going on in the church but hey let's not get caught up in the wrong stuff let's make sure that we're getting caught up in the right stuff when i was a kid i loved god had a great relationship with god and then i went through this period of my life where i really had nothing to do with him and i guess on reflection looking back i felt at the time like my decisions in life were justified there was reasons why i wasn't going to church there was reasons why i didn't have a good relationship with god and they all seemed okay to me but the whole time i always believed that god was real and i felt the tugging on my heart of the lord who would keep saying to me hey come on now Come on, let's be honest, Ben. You know that you're not living the kind of life that I want you to live. And I'll be honest, I didn't want to give my life over to him. In fact, I didn't want to change it. And I'll tell you why, because I didn't like sacrifice. And I had some preferences in, 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 in life. And how many of us know that when you don't just call Jesus Savior, but you also call him Lord, you start to swap out some of your preferences for some of his preferences. And I didn't like his preferences. I wanted my own preferences. So I decided that it wasn't the right time. And I decided that for a really long time too, by the way. In fact, I was in, I remember being in like university and there was a guy who was a Christian at our, in, in our university, in our, in our class. And he spoke to me at lunch one time and he said to me, he said, hey, so come on, Ben, tell me are you a Christian? And I said, no, I'm not. And, and he said, well, let me talk to you a little bit about God. And I'm like, well, I know a lot about God. 
And we started to talk and I did. I, I knew a lot about God. I knew a lot about him. I, know, I knew a lot about the Bible. I understood a lot. I'd grown up in church, so I understood heaps. We, we sort of, as the conversation progressed, he said, come on now. He said, you kind of sound like you're a Christian. And I leveled with him. I said, look, I'll tell you the truth. I said, I believe in God, but I'm not very good at following Jesus. And I don't want to give him a bad rep. I would hate for other people to look at my life and think that this is how a Christian lives. So it's just easier for me to say no to you than to change my life. And he kind of leaned back and he smiled because I understood that there was a big difference between being a believer and being a follower of Jesus. A big difference. There are billions of people around the world that believe in God. And I guess I don't know how many of them would be in church, but there's a lot that aren't. And so some of these people that say that they're believers in God, they don't go to church. But then some people do. They go to church and they come maybe every couple of weeks, maybe it's every couple of months, but they come, they come. Some of these people that call themselves believers, they even, they even go to small groups and involved in little things and keep attending and keep coming, but they're just believers and they're not necessarily following. I, I guess what I'm saying is it'd be pretty, it's pretty easy to be a believer and not be a follower. Because just because you come doesn't mean that you follow. How about this? I think it's possible for somebody to even read the Bible and never do a thing about it. You could do that. Come on now. You could read the Bible and not let it change your life. So what does that make you? A believer, but you're not necessarily following. You could be a believer and not follow. Following Jesus looks a little bit different. Following Jesus has something that's attached to that. And, and even I believed that there was, that it needed to be some kind of evidence of my faith. There needed to be some fruit attached to my life that would indicate to other people, ah, yes, that, that, that yeah, I really do believe and I really do follow. But I just wasn't prepared to take the next step. And, and the reason that I wasn't prepared is it just wasn't the right time. Oh boy, it just wasn't the right time. You can live like that, you know. It's just not the right time. Yeah, I believe, but it's not the right time to really follow just yet. No, I mean, not follow closely. Listen to what the Scriptures say in Ecclesiastes 11.4. It says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. So back when this was written, if you, we do the planting of seeds a little bit differently today. We plant them in the ground. When this was written, the way that they used to do it is throw out the seeds. They'd, they'd scatter the seeds and they call that sowing. And then, you know, someone would come and, and uh, the plowman would come and churn up all the soil and then it would just begin to grow. So throw out the, the seeds first. But imagine standing with a, a seeds, which really, I think, represent potential. It's the potential for something to grow. But how many of you know that unless your potential is planted in something, it's never going to produce anything, right? Amen? Yeah. You're going to make me work hard this morning, aren't you? So you have seeds, their potential, and you look at the wind and you go, you know what? I would sow it, but it feels kind of windy. 
And I'm just not sure it's the right time. So maybe I'll just hang on to this for another day. And you get up the next day and you look out and you say, you know what, I, I, could, I could sow, but this wind could pick up at any moment. If it picked it up and say I, say I scattered the seeds and the wind blew them away and then all my work would be for nothing. So it's just not the right time. People can live in this idea of it not being quite the right time to sow their lives into following Jesus. You can live like that so easily and say, one day I'll get serious about this. That's what I did. See, what you need to understand is that whenever God calls you, He calls you where you are. Not where you're going to be. In fact, when He speaks to you, it's to get you to where He wants you to be. But He always calls you where you are. And so it's interesting because when God says, I'm calling you where you are, you say, where I are is not the right place for me to be able to move from this spot. You know, where, let, me, let me tell you a little bit about where I am right now, God. I would get really committed and I would get really serious, but it's not the right time because I just need to wait until my car is paid off. And when I don't have that financial pressure, then I will really commit to you. And I'm just going to wait until our credit cards and everything are paid off. And, and, and once they're paid off, right, and I don't have the pressure of that, then I can get really serious about that thing that you're asking me to do. And then you know what I'm really waiting for, God? We, we, we would commit, but it's probably best for me to get myself financially secure first. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for a house. I'm going to work really hard. And once we've secured it and we can start to make regular payments to it and everything's in its place, right? When everything's the way it should be and all of my ducks are in a row, then at that point, that's when I can start to get really serious about it. Well, God, I didn't realize we were going to have kids. And, 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 you know, it's, boy, when you have kids and they're under one, it really isn't the right time. I'm going to meet you on that point, you know, right there. Everyone knows about that because you're not even sleeping and you're going crazy, right? So, so you got kids under one, you got small kids. It's like, I get it. I totally understand, right? So maybe that's not the right time. And you said to yourself, well, when they get to primary school, then they'll be easier to manage. And you think that that's funny. So, so you say, when they get to primary school, they'll be easier to manage. And that's when I'll get really serious. But then you got there and you're like, this wasn't as easy as I thought. I preferred it before they could move on their own. You know, it was easier when I could just leave them in one spot and they were caged and we just kept them there, you know. And then so you thought, you know what, when, when they have got a little bit more independence, that's good. So I'll wait till they're teenagers. <gasps> then they got to be teenagers and you said it was easier when they were kids. And you thought, well, you know what? When they get to university, when they begin to move out, that'll be the right time because I'll have the house, I'll be secure. And before you know it, you're 55 and you really haven't started the thing God asked you to do when you were 25. It's amazing how you can just continue to put things off, put off what God has called you and graced you and asked you to do and wait for the perfect timing and wait till everything is, is when, when you know it's all going to work out. Is there anybody like that that wants to know that it's going to work out before they actually step out? Man, it's so easy to feel like this. But here's what I want to tell you today, that if you walk it out, God will work it out. If you walk it out, God will work it out. Do we have any planners here today? Anybody that just loves planning? All right, here we go, here we go, here we go. Is there anyone that has a schedule for their holidays? 
Anyone that has a schedule for that? Yep, see that hand, see that hand, see that hand. It's a little more honest, right? But I feel like we're probably not there. Hands up if you married a planner. Oh, there's a lot more honesty in the room today. I should, I should, have, I should have begun with that, right? And, and so you have a schedule for it. So, so this is how you know. You're like, hey, at two o'clock looks like we'll be having fun. And <laughs> it's in the plan. So we're having fun at two. But then at 3.48, I'll be going down the street to get a soy latte and low-carb fruit muffin. And I've looked at it on TripAdvisor. Now it's 200 meters away. It's going to take a couple minutes to walk. So, hey, listen, we're going to leave about 3.40 to get there by 3.48 to be sitting down. I want to be in my seat by 3.48 with that coffee in hand. So, so some of you, it's starting to get a little more real for some people. They're like, yeah, that's me. I feel like that sometimes, right? So you like to plan, all right? So that's good. I, I like to plan too. I just want to let you know life is going to be a big challenge for you if you want to be a follower of Jesus. Oh, it's going to be such a challenge for you if you want to be a follower of Jesus. Because it's really hard to plan around all the things that Jesus is going to say to you when you really don't know what he's going to say. Let, let me read a scripture to you. This comes out of John chapter 3 and verse 8. It says the wind. Now, let, let me say this. The Spirit guides us into truth and helps us to work out the plan of God in our lives, okay? Now, in this scripture, in John chapter 3, verse 8, that word there for wind, it's the, in, in the original language, it's the same word for spirit. It's the same word. So wind and spirit, or pneuma, is the word that they use. So it says, the spirit slash wind blows where it wishes. And you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So you're a planner. You feel the wind of the Spirit. You think you're going in the direction the wind was leading you. But the wind has a habit of changing direction. So you laid out all of your plans for the next 60 years to go in one direction. The only thing was is that sometimes God just wanted you to get to this point so we could take you to this point. So you, what you need to do is be prepared for the wind to change direction. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan. Come on, because the Bible says you've got to steward your resources. That's planning. Come on, you've got to steward the, the stuff that God gives you. You've got to make plans. Otherwise, you know, churches wouldn't be built and nothing significant would get done. But just because you felt the wind of the Spirit 10 years ago doesn't mean it's blowing in the same direction today. And so you need to do something called listening to the Spirit of God so that when you feel the wind of the Spirit, you stay in step with the Spirit. Did you know that the Scriptures say that? Galatians chapter 5, it says, hey, let's walk with the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit because He just may change direction at any moment. We don't know where He's going to go. Did you know this great story in the Old Testament where the Israelites were led out of Egypt? And they went through the Red Sea. It parted for them and they ended up in the other side in the desert. And so now, here they are in the desert, probably feeling a little underprepared for what lies ahead and how they're going to handle it. And they didn't have any banana boat sunscreens, so they're going to cook. But God is good and God is gracious. So His presence manifests as a cloud cover by day to make sure that they didn't get cooked. Isn't he good? Yeah. 
So what did they do? Well, they stayed under the cloud. And wherever the cloud went, see, this makes it really easy to follow God in the Old Testament, isn't it? Because they're like, if they just got distracted and walked away and suddenly they feel the, the intensity of the sun, they're like, oh, I left a cloud. So they're back to the cloud, you know. But what they're doing is wherever the cloud led, that's just where they followed. And that cloud created a covering for them. And it was important for their survival to stay under the covering of God. See, sometimes we stop and God keeps moving. But sometimes God stops and we keep moving. And what I'm saying is you can't put your life on autopilot and just think that you're going to end up exactly where God wants you to end unless you're listening to the direction that the Spirit is blowing. Sometimes we stop and God wants to keep moving. You know what I've learned? I've learned it's easier to stop than you imagine. And you don't always even realize when you are stopping. So, if you are not praying to God and you're not listening to Him, then you're starting to stop. God could be moving but you don't know because you're not praying. Let me take prayer and ground it in something very practical. It's talking to God. I mean, the very first people on planet Earth did this and they've been doing it ever since. People have been talking to God. They talk to Him. And don't want to freak you out if you're new. God will talk back to you. And that's how you know where He's going. And so if you are stopping or not praying, then that could be you stopping. You, you kind of know, I think, that you're stopping when you no longer read your Bible. Because one of the ways that God speaks to us is through His Word, which is what we call the Bible. And if you're not reading it, aren't you kind of closing the opportunities for God to speak to you through it? We live in a age where people are desperate to find out what the will of God is for their life. And yet a lot of them probably have Bibles as a paperweight. Looks pretty spiritual on your bedside table. Doesn't help you unless you read it. You know? But if you don't read the scriptures, you know, you could be stopping. And, and, and sometimes it just even happens without realizing it. How about this? If you don't serve God in any way, and I'm not just, not just talking about church. Church is a pretty obvious way that you can serve God, okay? But you were made for worship. You know, worship is most evidently seen sometimes in the way that we serve God. And, and, and so if you don't, come on now, you're not praying, you're not reading and you're not serving, I reckon that God's moving and you've stopped. And it starts to stack, doesn't it? That's what I'm saying. It's like you don't even realize it's happening. And then suddenly you find yourself in a position where you say, I think that I'm the one that stopped. And he was moving. I didn't listen to him. I didn't listen to the wind of the Spirit. Sometimes it's the opposite way. You know, where God wants to stop, but you just want to keep going. 
You know, sometimes if you're an over planner, you want to plan everything out and have all your ducks in a row. You know, if you're, if you're planning, you've, you've planned out the next 10 years. And then God says, no, 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 just stop for now. And you're like, no, nope, it's not in the plan. It says that we're meant to have fun now, you know. And you kept stepping, you kept walking, but God said, I wanted you to stay and just rest for a minute. And sometimes it's just because we're overplanned. Sometimes it's because we're heading off into territory that God doesn't want us to walk in. Come on, if you start to go down that path, that's a real bad path for your life. You, you, you make this move, you enter into this territory, you're going to invite all kinds of problems. This is, this, this is what we would call a sinful path. This is like a path that is going to lead to the destruction of your life. So, so don't go that, stop, stop, stop. Don't go any further. That's why we've got to listen to what God says. And I, I tell you if, you, if you're at a point in your life for anybody where God is borderline screaming, stop. And you just want to keep going, even though you feel the tension in your heart. You, that's a really dangerous place to be because you could get what the Bible calls searing your conscience. And when your conscience is seared, Here's what it means. You're not listening to God, but you don't care either. And if you end up in that place, that's, a, that's the worst place that you could get to. See, if you want to fulfill your calling, you've got to stay under his covering. Because if you step out from his covering, you step out from your grace. Did you know that there is a grace for your life? This is the thing that sometimes we don't get when God calls us where we are. Because we give him all the excuses why we can't do it from here. But when he calls you, he must believe one of two things. I'm inclined to agree with him because he's God. He must believe, number one, that you can do it. Or number two, he's going to give you a grace for it. But either way, I'm saying it's possible. There's nothing that you can come up with with God says, I never saw that. You're right. I'm so sorry. Maybe this was bad timing for you. It's not how it works with God. He gives you grace for it. If you, if you walk it out, God will just work it out. Do you notice that Jesus just walked around and fulfilled his calling? He, he lives in, in, you know, 30 years. We don't know heaps about his life. But then he begins his ministry. And how does it come to pass? Just walks around. Just goes from one village to the next, meets people, has a chat with them, moves on, finds another village, speaks to those people, you know, and, and as he's doing this, he's fulfilling his calling. How did he know where to go? Well, maybe God spoke to him. We didn't, we didn't, there's definitely times where God spoke and said directly go here, but maybe he was walking around and opportunities presented themselves. Or maybe it's just that God is sovereign and he knew where he was going to go. But all I know is this, he just walked around and God worked it out. And he kept working it out. And then there was these guys that would follow him called his disciples. And just pay attention to their life for a minute because when they were called, it probably wasn't the right time. How do we know? They were teenagers. Maybe they had stuff to do. They were busy, you know. And, and, and he said, hey, come on, follow me. And they're like, okay. They just followed him. How did they know they were fulfilling their calling? They just walked around and followed Jesus. Where are we going next? How would they, how would they get developed? They just walked around and followed Jesus. Everywhere he went, they went with him. 
He said, get that donkey. They grabbed it. Get that, take that young boy's lunch. Steal it from him. Get it. <laughs> Stealing the lunch from small children. Just took stuff. Watched miracles happen. And these guys, they become apostles that lead the church. These guys, these 12 guys were transformed. How do you get transformed? They walked it out and God worked it out. That's that's how transformation happens. Do you know that when when, when somebody is, um, we we use this word in in Christianity, it's called sanctification. And it's something, you know, it, it means to be set apart for a holy or designated purpose. But it also means the process of being made more holy. Now, how do a bunch of teenagers that steal the lunch off young kids get more holy? Well, it's a process that God does to you. So instead of trying to figure out how you can transform yourself to be ready for the thing that God is calling you to go to, why don't you just walk it out and let Him work it out? How did these guys, how did these guys change the world? They just walked it out. And when they didn't, there was so much persecution on the early church that He made them walk it out. Because they had to get out from where they were. He said, hey, you guys aren't walking. You're keeping everything here just in your own little world, in your sphere of influence, which by the way is very small. So why don't you begin to walk it out and let me work it out? I think that there are literally thousands of reasons why people could avoid walking down the path that God has for them. But maybe there's just one reason why they should start to walk. And it's because Jesus asks And that's it. He just says, but I'm asking you now. But God, I don't know if it's the right time. He says, well, I gave my life so that you could live this life. That's why he did it. And so when you call him not just Savior, but you call him Lord, you keep saying yes to him. I was reading the Bible this week. Isn't that good? Just want to reflect on that. Thank you, Dale. It's just as a pastor, I just feel like sometimes I should be reading it. So I did. And I was reading it. And this scripture really stuck out to me. And every now and then, if you do read the Bible, God will grab your attention. And so he got my attention with this scripture. And it's in Luke chapter 13, verse 6. It says, it's a parable that Jesus is telling. And he says, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. So cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year. Also, until I dig around it and put, man, put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Normally, in a parable, there's really one lesson that you're supposed to learn. One takeaway, right? Don't be the fig tree. That seems kind of obvious, doesn't it? Don't be the fig tree. I mean... For three years, here comes the vine dresser or or, or the man that owns the vineyard. And what does he want? He wants fruit. The problem is the tree just didn't give a fig. 
And because it didn't give a fig, he got cross with it. And he said, I'm demanding fruit, but you're not giving me any. And so he's getting ready to cut it down. You know, the thing about this is you got to imagine for a minute, three years, come on, three years, there was no good season for this tree. Three years, it faced three seasons of summer, autumn, winter, and spring. And I wonder if he had a conversation with the fig tree, if it says, look, it just wasn't the right time. I don't feel like producing figs. He says, well, you should have been. Because the whole reason I've got you here is so that you would produce some fruit. See, you got to get this. Don't be the fig tree. How, I mean, Jesus must have really had it in for fig trees. Because one time he cursed one because it didn't produce fruit. And then it died. Don't be the fig tree, everybody. Don't be the fig tree. So, so where, does, where, do God, where does God's grace run out? Well, let me tell you something. If you're new to church and you're like, oh my gosh, does that mean he's going to kill me and cut me down? No, 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 no. There is always grace and favor. You can always call him savior. But what he wants from that life is some fruit to be produced from all the stuff that he's done and laid out for you. And you, you got to understand, understand that there are time frames that are attached Time frames that are attached to your life. And I'm, I'm not saying that there's not grace there for you to do stuff in your future, but there are windows and seasons of opportunity that close. And if you keep delaying it and delaying it and delaying it, eventually you're going to find that those doors keep closing. And before you know it, you suddenly realize, I have not done what God has asked me to do. You don't want to find yourself with a bag on your back, lying flat on your back with a unicorn in your hand at the end of your life and saying, I didn't know what to do. Because Jesus will come and say, it's not that hard. This is what you do. And I told you to make disciples. And gosh, we called it the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, everybody. I mean, we made it so obvious what you were supposed to do. There are some fundamentals that you were supposed to do. I mean, at least start there. You know what? If you'd have just walked it out, just at least started walking it out, I would have worked it out. But you need to take the first step. See, maybe this is the thing that people don't get, but grace, grace works from where you are, not where you're going. It's effectual now. Like it works here, wherever you are. If he's called you, he either thinks that you can really do it or he's going to give you the grace to manage it. But either way, I'm telling you, it can work out one way or the other. You don't need to fix it yourself. I mean, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, don't think that you need to fix everything first before you can get on with the plan that God has for your life. In fact, the gospel is all about that. He says, don't try to fix yourself. You're never going to be able to do it anyway. I'll do it for you. Just come to me, take the first step. You come to me and I'll work out the rest. But at least... Start to take the first step. See, followers produce fruit. Followers of Jesus, they produce fruit. There's no fruit. You're not following. Because there'll be something. So here's what you got to do. You got to start by taking the first step. You just got to start. Today is as good time as any to start. But then you just got to keep walking and keep walking. Take the first step, 
and then take another. A walk is really only a series of steps. You just got to keep walking. If you if you watched the fo- anybody watched the football last night? One of the sponsors of the football is Johnny Walker Black Label. You know what their signature phrase is? Keep walking. Keep walking. There's even a guy on the bottle like this. If Johnny Walker can figure it out, hopefully the billions of Christians that are around the world can figure out that you're not best to stay where you are. You just got to keep walking. But you got to take a step. Because if you don't take your first step, it'll never lead to the next one. It always begins with the first. Eventually, you got to take one. Why don't you close your eyes for one minute? You know what? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.